When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save on your tickets. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Trade Deadline Spectacular. I don't think Jay made special music for it, but you know what? We're going to treat it as a special one anyway. I'm James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and joining me today from the land of the sun and the beautiful weather and the Chicago Cubs is 670 The Scores, Jay Zawoski, who probably got a really nice tan today as the Chicago Cubs mounted a miraculous comeback to tie the Seattle Mariners. Jay, how's Mesa treating you, my friend? It's nice, man. It's very, very nice. It's, it's crazy to be here this early in spring training and uh, on the trade deadline day. It was just kind of like a surreal kind of a feeling today, like keeping an eye on the Hawks while I'm sitting watching the Cubs. And it's a weird day, a fun day. I always look forward to the trade deadline. Um, and I was able to, you know, stay abreast, uh, as they say, uh, of the uh, Hawks you said news abreast. as the uh, as the day was going on with the Cubs. So fun. It's good. I love Mesa. It's not as warm as I'd hoped. Not that I'm complaining. It's like 70 degrees here. But the last two years we've been here, it's been 85 and sunny. And uh, we have the sun. We just don't have the heat yet. But yeah, you missed some uh, really cold weather there. Apparently last week, my dad was telling me that it was down in like the uh like high 50s or something he said it wasn't exactly great but now the weather is turning i'll be there in a couple of weeks looking forward to getting back out to mesa for some spring training action and following the lead of yours as i so often do yeah well james you said it today is the nhl trade deadline uh the hawks made a pair of trades uh first off trading uh lesser trade trading tommy wingles to Boston for a conditional fifth round pick in the 2019 draft. And then of course, trading Ryan Hartman for, and I keep struggling with this guy's name, Edsel, Victor Edsel. I believe that is correct. Yes. Uh, first round pick 
and a fourth round pick in exchange for Ryan Hartman and a fifth round pick. So yep. pretty good day from Stan Bowman. I think that, um, you know, Hartman was a guy that wasn't really a sure thing to go, but we thought there might be a chance. And I think St- Stan Bowman said it today. I don't think I know Stan Bowman said it today that it wasn't a guy they were actively shopping, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse. So they pulled the trigger sending him to Nashville and uh, Tommy Wingles is a guy we've talked about for a few weeks that we saw going. I was sort of surprised how many people were shocked and stunned that they traded Tommy Wingles. I mean, I think if you're paying attention, it makes perfect sense to do. And I think the Hawks like him. I think they like what they got from him this year. And it wouldn't shock me to see him in the Hawks uniform next year. He's mm-hmm. an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So why not get something for him when you're not going to make the playoffs? Get something in return, and if you really liked him, get him back. He was happy here. He likes playing here, so why wouldn't he want to sign back? You might as well get something for him while you can. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt the same way where I was kind of surprised people were, you know, seemingly shocked by that. I mean, I think, to me, the bigger surprise today was that they weren't able to get anything for Lance Boma. I would have thought for sure they would have been able to get at least, you know, a conditional pick somewhere, whatever you want to, you know, say they could have gotten for him. But he cleared through waivers. He got placed on the Rockford Ice Hogs roster. So he'll be eligible to play with them if they make the AHL playoffs this season. I mean, it, it was just a very interesting day that they didn't get anything for him, but they were able to get a conditional fifth round pick for Tommy Wingles. I thought that was kind of an interesting little development here. Obviously, I'm not shocked that guys like Artem and Isimov weren't traded. From what we had heard from reports, they had only been offered a third round pick and they would have had to retain half of his salary. I think that would have been an absolutely awful move for Stan Bowman to make. I feel like you'd be able to get a lot more for him at the draft next season, even if you have to maybe you know, eat a little bit of salary, you're going to get more than a third round pick for him. I think when you, if you wait on it and it made sense to me to make the move for Ryan Hartman, I think we should probably start with that trade Yeah. just based on the fact that it's kind of maybe surprising in a way that they traded kind of a younger part of their roster. But I mean, you have to look at this return, Victor edge or whatever we're going to end up calling him. Edge um, The way they have it in the <laughs> Hawks email is E-H-J-S-U-H-L. Edsel. 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 Okay. So it's like so, Edzo, but instead of Zo, it's Soul. Edsel. Okay. Edsel. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were apparently had been interested in signing him as a free agent last season, and he ended up deciding to sign with Nashville. So clearly a guy that Stan Bowman in the scouting department has done a lot of work on, and they were able to get him as part of the swap and then – Obviously, getting a first-round pick this year, I know it's only going to be probably the 30th pick in the draft or whatever from Nashville, but getting that pick is still a really big deal because I feel like that was kind of the that was the breaking point. Like, if they weren't going to get a first-round pick, I don't think you saw Ryan Hartman move. No. And not only that, they were able to get that pick, a fourth-round pick, and a guy that they coveted out of Sweden who's having a really solid season in the Swedish Hockey League and is a huge, big-bodied forward, the kind of guy that you can plant in front of the net and make things happen. I mean, that's a guy Stan Bowman has to love. And obviously Ryan Hartman is a very solid young player. He's got some good potential in him, but they've had him for five years. They've gotten as much of a look at him as they are ever going to get And I know you probably could have re-signed him to a pretty cheap deal this summer. But like Stan Bowman said, this is an offer they simply could not refuse. Yeah, and I think Hartman, you know, for the flashes he's shown over his career with the Hawks, I think there's been probably, I don't want to say bad, but there's probably been more average to below average than good. I mean, the first two-thirds of last year, everyone was sort of laughing, like, oh, my God, Andrew Shaw. People kept saying, like, oh, you know, Hartman, maybe he can be Andrew Shaw. The first two-thirds of last year, he was better than Andrew Shaw, and there was no real doubt about it. Then all of a sudden, it just turned on a dime where bad penalties started happening. Uh, He stopped scoring. He stopped being effective. And since then, he struggled to get it back. Now, there have been moments where you've seen glimpses of what you saw in the first bit of last season, but they were way too far and few few and far between. And uh, I think Hartman is the sort of guy who could go to nashville and and really thrive maybe just a change of scenery is what's he what he's needed and you could read into that how you want 
I heard some rumors this week that he was a bad teammate. I heard a lot of that this week. So followed up with it with a couple sources in the organization. And to a man, they all said, no, that's not true. He's not a bad teammate at all. Their main concern, the Hawks' main concern with Hartman was his lack of speed and his lack of consistency. And that's why they took the opportunity to move him when they did. But as far as I can tell, and as far as I've been told, there's no, you know, personal anything like that. There's no behavior, not behavioral issues. He's not a child, but you know what I mean? There's nothing cancerous about him in the locker room. And these comments were made after the trade was made. So if they were the case, these people had no reason to not tell me, right? It's one thing if he's on the team and they're trying to move him and you don't want that to get out there. But once the guy's moved, all bets are off. And, uh, you know, to a man, the people I talked to today said, nope, he's not a problem in the locker room. It just was, you know, a lack of consistency, a lack of the speed they wanted. And uh, that was a big part of the reason they moved him. I want to go back to Edsel a little bit, too. 6'4", 215, you mentioned his size. Uh, what they really like about him are his hands. I guess he's a pretty nimble in front of the net, um, Can can has a bit of skill. It's funny, you look at these stats from the Swedish league, and they don't pop out on paper. But you got to no. remember, it's a bigger ice surface. It's a different game, and you don't see, you know, uh, gaudy numbers in most of the European leagues. They're usually sort of lesser than the NHL. So don't get too hung up on what his numbers look like. They really like this. I, I actually texted a source and said, "Is Edgel just a guy?" And they said, "No, we we really like him. We're really high on him, and we think that he's got a strong future with this team." So it wasn't just someone that, like like you said, James Stan Bowman wanted him. Well, he went and got him today and uh, a whole bunch more. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people were saying that if they traded uh, Ryan Hartman without getting a first round pick, that it was going to be an awful trade for Stan Bowman. And how dare that guy? He always gets fleeced, yada, yada. Well, he went out and got a guy that he wanted to sign in free agency last year and lost out on and got two more draft picks for this year. The Blackhawks, I believe I saw a stat today now have two first-round draft picks for the first time since 2001. It has been a very long time since the Blackhawks have had multiple first-round picks, and now here they are, going to be picking in the lottery, obviously. I'm not holding my breath they're going to get, you know, the Patrick Ewing dry ice envelope treatment. I mean, we can all (laughs) hope for that. That'd be great. But I'm not banking on that, obviously. But, I mean, if you get two picks in the top 30, that's still – pretty freaking good well the other thing that to consider is the if, depth of their system the, the other part of it is you have two first round picks one of which will be maybe seven eight nine somewhere in there if you want to get into that top five you could trade your seven eight nine pick and your you know 28 through 30 pick that you got from nashville and flip it for someone in the top five if you really want to do that and who knows who knows what you know what they have up their sleeve trade wise but the more picks you have, uh, the more sort of ammunition you have to attack a trade of the draft. So I wouldn't rule that out. I wouldn't rule them out, out trading up. Uh, who knows what it's going to lead to? Maybe it, maybe they trade up for Dolan. Who knows? Um, but I think it's probably unlikely, considering he's like pretty close to a franchise defenseman. But nothing is really off the table at this point. So I'm pretty pleased. I saw the tweets this morning that the Hawks were asking for a first-round pick. For Hartman, and I, I tweeted out, like, would you give that up for Ryan Hartman? Sort of telling people, like, temper your ex- expectations because if that's what they want, it's pretty unlikely they're going to get it. Well, they got it, and they got it quick. It was one of the first trades of the day announced. So uh, kudos to Stan Bowman for um, setting the price high and getting the return he wanted for Ryan Hartman. He got to give him credit. The guy knows what he wants, and he went out and got it. Now it's just a matter of whether or not uh, – it's going to be viewed in the eyes of fans as good enough after some of the other moves that he's made. I think that one of the things I do want to talk about is whether or not this trade kind of gives us a signal as to where Stan Bowman feels like he is in terms of job security and in terms of kind of overhauling this roster. I think that this uh, deal definitely gives us a little bit of an insight into what the uh, organization is thinking. Yeah, I agree. I it, it, And, you know, I think I may have mentioned this. I don't know if it was with, on a postgame pod or a full pod with you, but a couple weeks ago was the first time I ever heard Bowman with a lack of confidence in his voice. He was asked about his future, and he said basically something along the lines of, I'm going to keep coming here as long as they tell me to. 
right? Like I'm the GM until I'm not. But in a way of like, well, I understand why my job's in, in danger, so I'll just keep showing up until I'm fired. That was a weird thing to see from Stan Bowman. He's usually very authoritative. He's not the most outspoken guy in the world. He's kind of quiet, but it's a quiet confidence. And you know that he's in control when he speaks. And that was the first time I really heard him not sounding like he was sure he was going to be back. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that he probably got a uh, private maybe vote of confidence from John McDonough or something to that effect. I don't think you trade a valuable young asset that you can probably re-sign fairly cheaply unless you have a, a definitive idea of how you want to rebuild the roster and what kind of players you want to rebuild the roster with. And B, you don't do that with a guy who could potentially make you competitive next season, unless you have assurances that you're going to be able to do this roster turnaround the way that you want to do it. And I think that this trade likely signals that Stan Bowman has gotten those reassurances. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether those kinds of reassurances are kind of passed on to Joel Quenville or if he's not included in that loop, because I still think that if you're continuing to build a team that's more predicated on speed than physicality, maybe it's not so crystal clear that Joel Quenville will be back next year and maybe his future is still up in the air. But I think as of right now, based on this trade and the moves that the Blackhawks have made the last few weeks, I definitely think that Stan Bowman's future looks a lot more secure here, even as the team is going to miss the playoffs. Well, let's get into that a little bit on the other side of the break here. A little bit about the future of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman and the organization as a whole. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know they're the best place to go in the area if you want to get your NHL, MLB, NFL jerseys lettered and customized. But they're also the best place to go if your team needs outfitting, if your team needs jerseys. You got a softball team? Softball's coming up. I just had my evaluations and draft for the Homewood Softball League. Uh, so the you know, season is upon us, and if we're going to need some gear, probably going to reach out to Triple Threat Sports for that. Give them a call, 708-478-6090, or visit them at triplethreatsports.com. They can help you design a logo. They can help you uh, design the uh, the way the jersey looks, the way the off-ice or off-field apparel works out. Everything you would need for a team, no matter what sport, Triple Threat Sports will hook you up and you will look outstanding. So call Chris, 708-478-6090, or visit them online at triplethreatsports.com. Or email Chris at chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have been talking about the trade that sent Ryan Hartman packing and heading to Nashville, Jay Zawoski's favorite city in America, by the way, now playing with the Nashville Predators. And now we are talking about what? The trades that the Blackhawks have made mean for the future of Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville. And we're going to get back into Joel because I think we both kind of agree that Stan seems like he's pretty locked in. Now we need to talk about Mr. Quenville, who got some good uh, alternative job training today. Got <laughs> to uh, serve donuts at Dunkin' Donuts. I thought that was a lovely thing to do on trade deadline day. But on a serious note, I, I, I think that you can't really draw a lot of conclusions on his job security based on what happened today, but you may have a different take than I do. So Jay, the proverbial floor is yours, my friend. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately and um, I'm starting to feel like nothing's going to happen as far as a, a Quenville firing or a Bowman firing. Uh, like you said, I think Bowman's pretty secure. The fact that they let him, trade a major piece today i don't know not a major piece but a player that matters they let him trade a player that matters today um you know and tommy wingles of course traded as well um i i think that he's pretty secure one thing i said after the columbus game is i want to make sure and i think stan bowman is sort of on this and, and you and i kind of raged about this when he said it saying, like, look, these guys are still in their primes. There's still good hockey left in a lot of these guys. And I think we need to be careful, and fans need to be careful, and especially Bowman and company need to be careful to not overreact to an abnormal 
uh, strange, weird luck. Corey Crawford's out. Marion Host is gone. Like, there's a lot of factors that went into this team sucking. Aside from those factors, both of which are legit, you lost an all-star winger and a Vezina-level goalie, right? Those are legit. You also had some really strange luck this year. How many times have we seen the Hawks hit the goalpost or you know, shoot it an inch wide or it gets blocked by the referee? There's been a million moments like that. And I know those things happen during the course of the season, so I'm not going to say they're exclusive to the Blackhawks and they don't happen to winning teams. Of course. Of course they do. I just think that before anything rash is done, and by rash I mean trading Jonathan Taves, trading Brandon Saad, trading Duncan Keith, trading Corey Crawford, things like that. That would be rash. There needs to be a cooling off period. And I think that could be one of the benefits of the Hawks not making the playoffs is they're going to have this full stretch of April to June to sort of sit back and evaluate before they're able to make any moves and really consider, is it time to blow this whole thing up? And now that the anger of this season and the frustration of the season for me has subsided a little bit, I'm starting to feel like let's give it a little more time before we're ready to completely pull the plug on what's happening with the Blackhawks. I think that they have earned, and by they I mean the players, the management, yes, the coach who I disagree with often but still like very much, uh, I think they have earned the benefit of a bad year, a weird year, a weird a year where things just didn't go right for them. I think they've earned that, and I think that they should be given another chance to make it right next year. Now, if they come out and lay an egg the first half of next season, then I wouldn't be opposed to a midseason firing of either Bowman or Quenville or both or whatever, and then you blow it up. Because if they show you next year that they're the same team they were this year, then then it's time to consider you know a complete rebuild but i'm not ready just yet now that i've taken some time now that i've taken a deep breath and looked at the season from a wide angle lens i think it's not quite time yet to blow everything up um i have to disagree with your assertion that they have earned a bad year you have to recall that this team has gotten knocked out of the first round of the playoffs the last two seasons and is going to miss the postseason again this year. I feel like they've had their bad year, quote-unquote. And I know they had the best record in the Western Conference last year. Well, but they I think also, you can also... Not to interrupt you, I'm sorry, but last year they also lost to Nashville, who went to the Cup Final and steamrolled the Western Conference. Well, if you hadn't interrupted me, I was going to mention that they ran into a very good Nashville team and that they had the best record in the Western Conference. But you have to qualify that by saying that we saw the writing on the wall with a lot of the issues that have started to plague the team this season, like in a big way. Like we saw the lack of scoring depth. We saw the questionable defense, the lack of speed on the blue line. We saw all of those things coming. And for whatever reason last year, they didn't impact the team in games one through 82. But when that regression hit in the postseason against Nashville, it hit with crushing force. And they've never really recovered from that. So I'm not saying like, yeah, that's enough of an incentive to me to blow everything up. But I also feel like it gives the argument that the time for patience is kind of over gives it a little bit of extra kindling for that fire, I think. Now, I'm not saying, like, they have to blow everything up. I'm saying that at least keep all of your options on the table as you kind of come to the, you know, offseason and kind of figuring everything out. I think that Stan is going to be around, and I think if the Blackhawks, even if they get off to a bad start next year, I think you keeping him this offseason is indicative to me that you have to try to give whatever rebuilding plan he chooses, you have to give it at least a full season to kind of start to work. Because it's really, I think, bad form to fire a GM midseason after you've basically given him a vote of confidence that you're going to let him kind of start this retooling, rebuilding process I genuinely feel like that's a really 
bad precedent for the organization and a really bad strategic move for them to make to fire him midseason after you've given him that vote of confidence. So I don't think that firing Bowman should be on the table if they get off to a rough start next season. Like that to me, just that probably should not be an option for John McDonough and company. But I would say that they definitely should have all options on the table. And I'm not going to be angry if they keep guys and decide they want to be patient. And I'm not going to be angry if they decide to blow things up because the last three seasons, things have just been going downhill. This is not the same team that we're used to seeing the Blackhawks have. And I think that all options do need to be on the table and I'm not going to be mad with any decision. And frankly, neither one of those directions would be particularly surprising to me. Yeah. I think we're sort of saying the same thing. Like, of course I would, if they say like, Nope, this is it. This is the time. Okay. I'm not going to push back too hard. I think my, my main concern is doing something emotionally rather than logically. That's what I want to avoid. And I think you and I are, are maybe disagreeing a little bit on what today's moves meant. I don't know if trading Ryan Hartman signals the birth of a, of a rebuild by any means. I, I think that he's a guy. I think that he's pretty replaceable. I, I liked his game when he was playing very well, but I don't think saying, like, okay, now Ryan Hartman's been traded, so all bets are off. This team's ready to start losing. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that like I said, to start the podcast, it was more of a fit situation with Ryan Hartman. Um, and I do agree with you that if they do decide to do a rebuild and they decide to do that with Stan Bowman at the helm, you have to just let him do it. That means he's your GM for the next three, four, five years even because mm-hmm. you are giving him, okay, it, like you can't bring in Theo Epstein and say rebuild this and then they lose for two years like, well, you're fired. Like, what <laughs> you know, we're only halfway <laughs> done so I, I agree with you there like if it's going to be a rebuild and they're going to let Bowman start it be it in June be it whenever then it's his and it's his baby and it's and I do believe that if they do allow that this offseason it should probably be a new head coach mm-hmm. like you're not going to keep Bowman or, or uh, Quinville around for a rebuild it's sort of like the um the Bulls with Doug Collins and Phil Jackson right our buddy Sean White texted this to me, and I thought it was a good comparison, that the Hawks, when they were ready to win, had Doug Collins and Dennis Savard and brought in Joel Quenville to be the Phil Jackson, right, to get him over the hump. At this point, maybe they're better off going back to a developer, to a guy who's ready to coach younger players, to someone with a, with a different outlook, someone with a fresh set of eyes on the thing. Maybe it's time to do that. And then once that core group grows the Debrinkits, the Schmaltz, to a lesser extent, the Forslings, uh, and uh, Yoka Harju, and, and et cetera, et cetera. When that team's ready to win, then maybe you bring in another sort of veteran guy. I don't know, just sort of spitballing there. And we're all, I think all of us are in just a kind of a weird place right now of this is the first time we've experienced anything like this with this group of Blackhawks management coaches and players. We're used to mm-hmm. them sucking in the past where it was all just hopeless and they were never going to win anyway, right? That was just sort of a foregone conclusion. This feels different because it feels like could Stan Bowman resurrect another core to win a Stanley Cup? I believe he could. I do believe he could. I never felt that way with Bob Pulford and Bill Wirtz. <laughs> I, I definitely feel like the difference between our opinions is I think you have a little bit more of a leaning toward a patient approach to the retooling is that kind of a fair thing to say like you're not looking to like sell off guys like Patrick Kane and kind of like go scorched earth on it is that fair yeah and I think okay let's clarify what we're saying here I'm talking about not doing a complete rebuild and when I say complete rebuild I mean no Taves no Kane no Keith right that's a total you're saying a retooling which was kind of what happened this past offseason when Panera was traded for Saad and John Merson was traded for Murphy, and obviously it has not worked out because this year has not been good for Saad. Murphy's been in the press box a lot, even though I like his game. I think he's played pretty well. That's a retooling. So I'm saying don't go total rebuild scorched earth because of this year. If you mm-hmm. want to consider one of them cool, and again, no one's untouchable at this point. If you want to call up and give me, you know, the first overall pick for one of the guys in the Hawks. Cool. Let's talk. But I, I think that it's to, to go scorched earth right now, the, the, uh, meaning this offseason, I think that's 
I think it's a little premature. Yeah. And I, and I just think that the decision would be, I, I know you have heard me talk on a million different occasions about how Stan Bowman should not make any decisions based on nostalgia or emotion. And I, I think what I'm just kind of trying to say is that I feel like if he does end up deciding to go full teardown and to try to find like the next core, basically, I feel like it would be less of an emotional decision than maybe some other people would perceive it as. Cool. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, all right. Before we break, I have to ask you something and uh, just to lighten it up a little bit because it's a crazy business day. Um, I noticed when Tommy Wingles got traded that the women were very upset. <laughs> did you notice this? Like, I, I, I did not know that Tommy Wingles was this. I think I have a good eye for a good looking man. I'm straight as an arrow. But I can appreciate a good-looking man. I've said it a lot. Victor Stahlberg, everyone knows, is my guy. Adorable guy. Very good-looking. The room lights up when he walks in. I never got that impression from Tommy Wingles. And then I saw some people talking on Twitter today, like, oh, I'll miss his face. I'm like, really? Did I miss something? Did yeah. you, is your wife mentioned anything to you about Tommy Wingles? No, she is not. She uh, certainly is not. I don't really... I don't know if there's anybody on the team that she feels like is particularly attractive. And I feel like the handsomeness quotient has kind of gone down a little bit with the team over the last few years. So well, sure, I don't more know, handsome man. when he's scoring I always look 40 at goals. Tommy Wingles and I see like a little bit of like Andrew Shaw to him and I don't like it. Yeah, his, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm off. We have a lot of female listeners. If you're a listener or whatever, gay men, anyone. If yeah. you think Tommy Wingles is good looking, you let us know because I'm missing it. Maybe I'm yeah. just old. Let's be and... superficial together, people. Let us do this. <laughs> I, just, I was just surprised. Like, wow, a lot of people are upset about this. Wait. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, who is the most handsome Blackhawk right now? Well, it's still Patrick Sharp. I mean, he's much more handsome when 40 goals are going in mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's celebrating and smiling. Um, but that's a good question. What's the thing? I think Taves is probably still. In most people's eyes, a really you good just, dude. You just like him because he's like Mr. Like Green Earth and blah, blah, blah. What? You... I haven't eaten a salad in six months. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you've been too busy uh, bulking up for the I'm Fat podcast. Yes, I got to I gotta get, in, uh, I gotta get in character for the podcast. All right, anyway, I just wanted to visit that because I was unsure and I, I'd like some verification one way or the other. All right, time for another commercial break. Before that, we want to tell you about our good friends at Marishka's our original sponsor, 604, sorry, 604 Theodore Street in Crestle. The farther away I get from Chicago, the more I forget addresses. 604 <laughs> Theodore Street in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. You've heard us talk about Marishka's. You know about the poor boy. You know about the steaks, the chops, the seafood, all the great stuff there. They've got a great craft beer menu they got big facilities for up to 110 people so make sure you go check out our friends at marishka's you will not regret it it is an outstanding place a place that i am proud to bring friends to because i know they're going to be happy i know they're going to be thrilled and if they've never been there before they're going to be blown away so go visit our friends visit marishka's.com or facebook.com slash marishka's that's m-e-r-i-c-h-k-a-s they're closed only on christmas easter the fourth of july and Thanksgiving, so plenty of chances for you and your family and your friends to go out and have a great night at Marishka's in Crest Hill. We'll be right back. We'll talk about some of the other trades around the league that happened today and answer a handful of your emails. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We have uh, solved what's wrong with the Blackhawks. We've decided the fates of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman. We've talked about the Ryan Hartman trade, and now we get to judge what everybody else in the NHL did on trade deadline day. Jay, are you ready? Sir, I have never been more ready in my life. Mm, I like that kind of language. All right. One of the other first trades that was made today after the Blackhawks announced the Ryan Hartman deal was a trade between divisional rivals as the St. Louis Blues sent Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for a conditional first-round pick in 2018, a conditional fourth-round pick in 2020, and Eric Foley. Two things I thought about this trade. One, 
to me, this signals the Blues do not think they're competing this year. They they are done. I think they do not think that they have what it takes to mount any type of serious Stanley Cup run. And number two, I still think the Blackhawks got a better return for Ryan Hartman than the Blues got for Paul Stastny. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I, I hesitate to say I feel for the Blues because I absolutely don't. <laughs> but uh, it's got to be frustrating to know that your best shot has come and gone. And that is exactly what's happened with the Blues. They're just, I don't know. I don't know how they get back to cup favorite or, you know, handful of cup favorites. They're not as good today as they were yesterday. And I don't know. I think that their best opportunity was when they were running into the Hawks every year and they were not able to do it. And they've had, they were very close several times and just could not get over that hump. And, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Blues sort of realized, like, well, we're not going to do much the way we are now. So you still got good years of Tarasenko left. You're going to hold on to him, obviously. But I wonder, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah, I just wonder how they're going to approach the future here. They've got a lot of questions to answer, too. They really do. They've never been able to find a goalie that's been outstanding there's been goalies on the blues that have had really good years yeah brian elliott had some incredible years when he was in st louis but when push came to shove man he just couldn't get it done in the postseason exactly so who knows i wonder i wonder if this signals anything for the blues you know uh Mm. and again remember last year they traded chattenkirk sort of a different situation but uh one of the faces of their team they weren't able to get tj oshi back uh, there, there's been a lot of a lot of misses by the Blues just on and off the ice. So uh, I'm I'm very interested to see the direction of that organization come June or July. You know who the Blues right now remind me of is the early 2010s version of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, where similar. they had all the skill in the world and came achingly close to a Stanley Cup and just couldn't get over the hump. They ran into a buzzsaw known as the Blackhawks, my friend. That they did, my friend. And speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, they also made kind of an intriguing trade today with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They sent Thomas Vanek to Columbus in exchange for Chicago Blackhawks legend Tyler Mott and UC Jokinen. Thought that was an interesting move by the Blue Jackets. They get a winger who's been bouncing around the nhl a lot lately oh, both of them. and obviously tyler mott who i still think has some game goes to vancouver yeah i don't know if i'm as sold on on mott as you are my favorite tyler mott memory is you and i at the draft together and seeing the sign that says come meet blackhawk tyler mott well nope he was traded so that's not going to happen <laughs> that's probably my favorite and most vivid tyler mott memory i think he's good is he better than Kemp, the other number 64 in Blackhawks history? I don't know. I think they're pretty comparable. But uh, Vancouver, you know, why not? Why not trade a guy and get something young for him? Vanek's not got a ton left. I think he sort of salvaged his career last year in Detroit a little bit. Yep. And then, you know, got himself a little bit of value this year. But I, 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 it's kind of a no-brainer for me to trade a guy like that if you can get something decent for him. Speak, you know what? You you literally just caused my brain to go in, go in two different directions. Oh. First of all, are you surprised the Detroit Red Wings did not trade Mike Green today? Well, I know he's been banged up. He's missed some time lately, and I wonder if that played a role. I know, are you allowed to trade a hurt player? This is something I should know. I mean, Yeah, the Flyers traded Kimo Tiemann into the Blackhawks, and he hadn't <laughs> played the entire season. No, he was just dead. Um <laughs> I like the whole <laughs> no, I like the whole weekend to Bernie's Austin. thing the Hawks did on 2015 and just put like <laughs> sticks under his arms and just like skate around the Isn't ice. Isn't that why they don't have a second round pick this year? Let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I forgot what you were even saying. But um, oh Mike yeah, Green Detroit Mike Green. They didn't trade him. I am very surprised. If they were allowed to do it, they should have. And maybe just teams are like, eh, I'm kind of good on Mike Green. I think he's. He's a dude that has gotten by on reputation and name for a long time, and I yep. think maybe that is finally starting to, uh, you know, GMs around the league are starting to realize that Mike Green is not the guy we probably think he is, or he's not the guy yep. that our, you know, our mind's eye tells us he is because he had some great seasons in Washington, but it's been five or six years since he's played at that kind of a level. Mm. 
the other question that came up in my mind while we were talking about uh, David Camp is I thought with Ryan Hartman and Tommy Wingles gone and with Lance Boma sent down, do we see a John Hayden return? That makes a lot of sense to me. I think that uh, they put him down there to get him some more ice time, to get him skating on top lines, to get him used to handling the puck and not playing, you know, six to ten minutes every night. I'd like to see him back. I've been saying for weeks I want Gustav Forsling back. I know Matthew Highmore has been recalled. So he'll uh, be th- I think Matthew Sakura. I've seen some rumors about maybe bumping him up at some point in the near future. Yes. Yeah, and Bowen. obviously Dylan Sakura, we've all heard that he might be coming to Chicago finally. If he does, that's a pretty fun ad right there. Yeah, I was going to say that's what Bowman said about Dylan was he's on his way. And everyone sort of looked at each other like, what does that mean? Uh, I don't know, maybe ax him. <laughs> like, if you're in the room and you're confused by what he meant, say, can you clarify what it means by he's on his way? Does that mean he's signed? I don't know. But uh, one way or another, Dylan Sakura, who's probably one of their top offensive prospects, maybe their absolute top offensive prospect, uh, looks like he could finish out the year here in Chicago, a la Dylan LeBlanc. Remember him? Oh, Drew LeBlanc. Drew LeBlanc. I've got my name wrong. Drew LeBlanc. The perfect name for him. And um, who are some of the other ones like that that came and played like the end of the year and then we never saw or heard of them again? There's a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of them. But uh, Sakura is a different story, and he's expected to be a decent NHL player. So that's something exciting to look forward to as the year runs out. I just want as many youngsters to get up here and play as they can. That's why I have no problem with the Winkles trade. Have no problem with Lance Boma being waived. Um, get these kids on the roster and playing and developing against strong competition. And I wonder, I wonder if we're going to see like a different sort of feel from the Hawks next time they play. Are they going to look a little more motivated, maybe a little more energized by some of these new faces? I hope so, um, because you don't want to just suck up the end of the year. And that's kind of what they've been doing over the last handful of games. I don't know, man. I think we might see a deflated team, too, based on what the comments that Jonathan Taves made today after the Hartman trade, where he basically said he didn't get it. I don't know what's to get. I mean, if you can get that kind of I don't know how much of that is Taves just being like, it sucks to lose a teammate and saying what his teammates want to hear. I think Taves. Yeah, is that's, smart. that's kind of what I'm leaning towards, too. Yeah, I think Taves is smart enough to get like, well, you have a bottom six forward and you're going to get a first round pick plus for him. Yeah. Like, what's not to get? That was like getting a first-round pick for Troy Brower. I thought it was a smart move to do that, too. So, and all Brower right, we're taking w- forever talking about trades that really are not the big trades of the day. Yeah, so let's get to the big ones. I'm going to rifle through two quick ones, and then we're going to get the big one. So, Evander Kane traded to the Sharks for Daniel O'Regan, a conditional first and a conditional fourth from Buffalo. That's what they get. Basically so what the Hawks got for trade for San Jose. And then the trade that intrigued me, I think, today more than the biggest trade was the Vegas Golden Knights acquiring Thomas Tatar from the Red Wings, getting a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick next year, and a third-round pick in 2021. I thought getting three draft picks for him was actually pretty good. That is a solid return, and Vegas has a bajillion draft picks to give. A bajillion is a very good way to put it. Yeah, so I love that Vegas is going for it. They were also the ones that were most in on uh, Eric Carlson, according to Pierre Lebrun. So imagine that, an expansion team actively actively shopping for the top target at the trade deadline. Oh, my God. That would have been so freaking cool if they had gotten him. I would have jumped on to the Vegas bandwagon with a lot of force if they had been able to get him. That would have been great. All right, let's get to the big one. The big one. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who also were kind of sniffing around Eric Carlson. God, can you imagine Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman on the same team? Oh, I just, good God, man. (laughs) The instead acquired Ryan McDonough, and JT Miller from the New York Rangers in exchange for a first-round pick this year, mm-hmm. a conditional second next year, Vladislav Namestnikov. Lamestnikov. I'm gonna. Th- I'm just gonna say that. One. I call him name Stinkoff. <laughs> Libor Hayek and Brett Hoden. 
okay, guys will never hear from again. I not a sneak <laughs> off, maybe like just because his name is so weird. I feel like we're gonna get stuck having to say it a lot. Like he's gonna get traded to the Blackhawks in the off season for like I don't know, freaking Jonathan Taves. No, no, no. I'm saying he's going to get traded to the Blackhawks for some schlub. It'll be like Artem and Isimov retain salary. They get Namasnikov back. Like, well, it's going to happen, and we're going to have to re- remember the dude's name. That's going to happen. What we need to talk about, um, this is a huge trade. Obviously, the biggest trade of the day. Um, Steve Eiserman as elite GM, it's, it's up there. Like, he's... He's in the conversation for sure of the top five GMs in the game. I really think so. Okay. I like what Steve Eiserman has done in Tampa Bay. I love the talent that he has got in Tampa Bay. A, has not won a cup. And B, didn't even make the playoffs last year. And I know, I know, I know. They had a ton of injuries A lot of bad luck happened in their series against the Blackhawks. I know these things, but give me one Stanley Cup, and then I'll put him in the elite. I know that's a very meatball-y thing to say, but when you're talking about elite GMs, you got to get the ring, right? I mean, you have to win that champ, especially when you're this freaking loaded, dude. They should honestly, they're the Stanley Cup favorite in my mind right now, zero question. I think, like, I know, I like what Pittsburgh did at the deadline, getting Derek Broussard. I thought that was a very smart move by them. Their center depth now is insane. I still think Tampa Bay is better, and I am looking forward to the Eastern Conference Final, which could potentially be the Stanley Cup Final this year, basically. Well, Steve Eisman could have a ring. If he did not run into a buzzsaw known as the Blackhawks, my friend. Duncan Keith. Anyway, Iserman, yes, of course, the ring is the thing that solidifies it. But to make this deal he made today without trading his top prospect in Sergachev, that's brilliant. That's it was. That's really, you know, being creative, finding a way to get it done. You know, that's the first name that every team talks about when, uh, you know, when Steve Iserman's on the other line and he was able to pull off a huge deal getting two really good players uh, without giving up his top prospect. So, yeah. He's had a handful of things like that, and like we talked about, with patience. He did not overreact to a couple down years for the Lightning. He realized that injuries were played a huge role, and there were other factors as well, and he stuck with his guys, and it's paid off for him. They're an excellent team this year. They just got much better. So uh, I agree with you. I think they're the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. I really do. Yep, and the New Jersey Devils got Pat Maroon. What a great trade. Anyway, let's get to some emails, Jay. (laughs) Let's do that. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com for all the information, the menus, the specials, all that good stuff. It's all there on Chuck'sCafe.com. I've talked a lot about this place. Uh, It's great. Love it. One of my favorites. They have the best barbecue, the best Mexican, the best Cajun, the best bar food. It's outstanding. Everything at Chuck's is great. I say this all the time, and I mean it. Take someone to Chuck's that you think might be picky. doesn't matter. They're going to find something they like. They're going to find something that makes them happy. There is literally something for everyone there. And if you're just thirsty, you just want to drink, join that 120 beer club, sample all 120 of their beers, and uh, you win a fabulous prize from Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe. So check them out, again, in Burbank on 79th Street and Natchez and in Darien on Cass Avenue just north of I-55. Very easy, very convenient locations. Uh, visit them on Chuck's Cafe dot com to the emails my friend it is time to go let me go here to ryan Tennant. he says hey guys in the columbus postgame podcast jay cautioned against overreacting to one bad weird season and a sentiment i largely share however when he mentioned the possibility of trading ryan hartman because he's not one accused favorites it made me think of all the players who have earned that label and it's opposite the q guy aka guys who think who Q's think are better than they actually are. 
these there's always seemed to be a disconnect between Bowman and Quenville in terms of roster composition, but that was largely papered over by having multiple Hall of Fame caliber players at their peak winning three Stanley Cups. Now that the Cup winning core consists of players that are just pretty good instead of elite, the coaching staff needs to get the most out of the talent they have available, something I don't think they're doing. I am loath to call for the firing of a Hall of Fame head coach, but if Quenville can't overcome his own tendencies and adapt to the talent he has on hand, I feel like he's got to go. Thoughts? James, your thoughts? I feel like sometimes it's overblown that Joel Quenville isn't able to get guys to adjust to his system or refuses to adjust his system for guys. I feel like we've seen time and again over the years that Joel is willing to make some tweaks to what he does to fit the games of guys. I know for every Trevor Daly, you have guys like Brandon Saad who like fit you know, Quenville's system for the most part, but instead of putting Saad in a role like second or third line, he put him up on the top line when he was a youngster, indicating that he wanted to get some good offense out of him too. So I feel like Joel, the reputation is deserved, I think, but you also have to know that he has made some alterations to his system to fit certain guys. And, you know, I think the criticism is fair. I just don't think that it's like a thing that you can just like say, this is a fact about him. He picks guys and then ignores other guys. I think there's a little bit of nuance there too. You mentioned Trevor Daly. Did you see his overtime winner last night? I did not. <sighs> guys, go look out Trevor Daly's goal. Makes a backhanded pass off the boards to Nielsen and then wheels around, right? Like around the point gets to right in front of the net nielsen shoots the puck he, uh daily deflects it perfectly from like four feet in front of Hen henrik lundquist and they and the wings win it in overtime it is one of the sweetest goals you'll ever see and you got to make sure you watch the highlight because you might miss the brilliance of it like at first look watch that initial pass that daily makes off the boards it's redonkulous just a sweet goal next Speaking email guys i'm yeah. surprised didn't get traded today henrik freaking lundquist i thought he might go somewhere. See, that's one of those that has to be like a... Well, the, you know what, though? The Rangers kind of did that. They sent the email saying, like, look, we're going to trade everybody, so just be ready. <laughs> but I think... That's what, see, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. Lundqvist has that, like, pillar of the franchise feel to him, and I think they're going to have to maximize return. I wonder if they thought about it today. I wonder if they had some bites and just didn't get what they wanted. I'll bet he would probably get a lot more in the offseason, I would think. You're, you're probably right about that. I'm just surprised with that email. That really, that seemed to be laying some groundwork. Although, for the second time in four years, they've traded their captain to the Tampa Bay Lightning. How about that? Yeah. It's a tradition like no other. <laughs> Our next email here from Alex Keller with a really good question. He says, hey guys, I am wondering who you will be rooting for come playoff time. Hmm. Not Pittsburgh. No, that's boring. I will do what I always do, which is to root, root for Washington because I'm tired of the stupid-ass narrative that they always choke. And I will also be rooting for Las Vegas because, dude, how awesome would it be to see an expansion team win the Cup their first season? That's like, they're already a history-making team. Yeah. If they were able to do that, that's like one of the great sports stories of all time. That's totally true. Uh, that is the team I'm rooting for in the West, for sure. Eastern Conference, uh, pulling for the Lightning. And uh, I got a little soft spot for the Blue Jackets. Not really sure why. Maybe it's Panarin. Maybe it's whatever. I, I've always just sort of liked them. I like going there for games. So Columbus Columbus and Tampa in the East and uh, Vegas in the West. How's We're that? about to throw down because how the hell can you root for John Tortorella to win anything? I don't know. He'll be fired anyway. They're not going to win. <laughs> If they win the cup, he's not going to get They're fired. not going to win the cup. Stop yourself. <laughs> if they win the cup, I swear to God, I'm blaming it on you. Okay, that's fair. I will allow that. I will allow that. Even though I said they're not going to. Uh, good question here from Matthew Giovanni. And uh, I'll be the judge of that. This is something that on our next long podcast, especially with, you know, nothing really mattering from here on out, I want to get into he says, Hello, gentlemen, this is the nihilist Madhouse Chicago Hockey <laughs> Podcast. He says, what are the chances the Hawks sign or offer a PTO to either of the ladies tending goal in the gold medal game? Oh, 
Oh, yes. Could you see it happen in the NHL? Do it. Do it. Do it. Now, I brought this up on the Spiegel and Perkins show on the score that I felt within the next 20 years, there was going to be a full-time female player in the NHL, particularly a goalie. I think it's pretty unrealistic that a forward or defenseman could hang in the NHL. And it also creates the moral question of if, you know, Kendall Coyne is breaking down the right wing trying to score a goal, is Zdeno Chara allowed to absolutely destroy her as she enters the zone? If he can catch her. Right. But you you see what I'm saying, right? Like, that's kind of the... That's kind of the dilemma of having a physical sport that allows women. And I'm sure, look, they can handle it. They can sign up for it. But I think a lot of guys would be like, I'm not going to hit this woman. <laughs> yeah. Not going to do it. But I do think uh, it could happen in goal. I really do. And we saw him in own realm in the 90s. Good old shot with the lightning. She got torched in her preseason game with the lightning. Yeah. Um, Shannon Savatos plays. In uh, men's leagues now and again, and has uh, probably a little bit below average numbers, and that's the gold medal or the silver medal goalie for Canada. Um, but I do think we're getting closer and closer to that, and this is something James that I want to spend a lot of time on in a future podcast. So let's not tear it apart right now. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting, and I do think there is a chance that it could happen. I just don't know if it's now yet. I, I think Zabados would be a great option. I think that she's proven she can play at least serviceably in men's leagues. And so I would love to see her get a shot. Obviously love what I saw from Maddie Rooney in the gold medal game. I thought she was fantastic and don't ever underestimate Nora Radu from uh, Finland. She is a fantastic goalie too. I'd be willing to give any of those three a shot. Why the hell not? Well, yeah, I mean, you can't hurt anything, right? It, it very, at very least you get a boost in uh, attention. You know exactly. I mean? and, and I would also like the record to show that in the instance of Hillary Knight or Kendall Coyne breaking down the wing toward the goal, I think at the end of the day, you just have to go, look, they're wearing the opposite team's uniform. I'm going to do whatever it takes to stop that person. Like, I feel like instinct is going to overwhelm. Oh, she's a lady. I think that that to me, I'm not tremendously worried about. But again, we never like to try to get into the heads too much of players. So I mean, that's, you know, that's a decision I guess they would have to make. Yeah, and and I do think that you would have to, you know, consider the the way the men would feel playing that game, too. Like, that to me, honestly, I would be very hesitant to lay out a female player. That would be something that a lot of us, that a lot of male players would have to adapt to, and I think it's tougher than, you know what I mean? It's sort of tougher than you might imagine. Yeah, and um, I think going from a sport where you're, you know, body checking is not allowed and also they all wear face shields in the women's game too. That's a lot of adjustments they would have to make. So I'm looking at uh Shannon Zavados's numbers here in the minors. The SPHL, which everyone knows, the SPHL, the Southern Professional Hockey League. She is uh this year or last year with the Peoria Rivermen, only two games, so we'll throw those numbers out. But in 22 games with the Columbus Cotton Mouse in 2015-16, a 3.63 goals against, a .910 save percentage. Respectable. The year Not before, bad. same team, 3.12 goals against, 15-9 record with a .907 save percentage. So, of course, the SPHL is at the NHL, obviously. Hey, Scott Darling came from the SPHL, my friend. Yeah, but I do think that it will happen sooner in hockey than any other sport. Let's put it that way. You think they're... You think there's more likely to be a woman playing net for an NHL team or kicking for an NFL team? It's a good question. I think that, yeah, I would say maybe about 50-50 on that, actually. But I, I played football, so I don't consider kickers football players. So <laughs> it's kind of different. Yeah. Well, you know what? You <laughs> you agree with a lot of... Uh... Uh, football writers so don't worry about that what about a relief pitcher in baseball see that to me i'm really intrigued by that and not just because i watched the tv show pitch and i thought it was good i (laughs) i i do think that that would be something we could see someday a woman pitching in the major leagues i think that'd be cool and i think it's definitely 
possible. I think the one, the one sport out of the four majors that I don't think we're going to see a woman play in in our lifetime, like I'd be willing to say there's like zero shot, is the NBA. Yeah. I, I just don't see it, man. And I, there are a lot of really good players in the WNBA. Like Elena Della Don, like always would blow my mind with the stuff she would do when she was with the Chicago Sky. I just can't imagine her playing in today's NBA with how fast paced it is and the emphasis on the three point shot and all that, that might help the emphasis on the three might help in that regard. I still think the pace of play might be an issue. Well that, and you think about like Ruth Riley is my all time favorite female basketball player. She played at Notre Dame um, back in the early two thousands. And she was like this big dominating center. She was six, five. Right. <laughs> like she's a point guard size in the NBA. So I think the size and the speed and all that stuff would probably be an issue. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think the NFL is probably least likely. Like you're not going to see a female running back. But um, no, no, no. Yeah. I think in, in the ones that we're actually considering is real is realistic. I think you're probably right. I would say NHL goalie. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rank them, I guess. So I would say NHL goalie, NFL kicker, probably about even. Major League reliever, maybe someday. I'd like to know, like, what's the fastest overhand pitch thrown by a female baseball player? That's some research for next week. Um, I, will, I will tell you that I loved watching Alex Rodriguez try to hit a softball pitch. It was hilarious. Oh, they did the by same the way, thing. Have you ever with, tried to hit a fast pitch softball before? Y- yes, it's ridiculous. They tried you to. can't do it. No, they did the same thing with Jenny Finch. She struck out Barry Bonds in his prime on this yep. week in baseball. He was just like, what, 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 what was that? Like, I could never hit that. <laughs> like, no, but absolutely not. But that's I underhand a high school pitcher. And she made me look like a chump. It is amazing how difficult it is to hit a softball. That's why I watch the women's college world series all the time. Those, those players in they're insanely talented. Like it's unreal watching them play. I agree. All right, let's get into that topic more, though, in the future. That sounds like a really good off-season one. Let's get some listener feedback on that as well. MadhousePod at gmail.com if you want to email us. And speaking of that, it is time to choose our winner of the best email question. I feel like they're all winners in their own way, really. I mean, those were all really good questions. Well, that, that doesn't help me. I know. I just... Ugh. Let's do the, uh, usually, let's usually do the one we just me, did. Like, let's there's do... one that sticks out. This week's tough, man. Well, let's do the uh, the women goalie. Let's Matthew Giovanni, a first-time winner anyway, got us off on a nice tangent and sets up another topic for a later podcast. So, Matthew, you are going to Chuck Southern Coverage Cafe. I don't know what card you have because even though I brought my podcast equipment, I did not bring my giant collection of hockey cards with me. So I'll pick uh... one out for you when I get home and we'll let you know. In the meantime, send us your name, address, phone number, all that good stuff, and we'll get these Social out to you. Social security number, credit card number. By the way, I um, want to thank everybody. Uh, had a huge month uh, in our listens on Blog Talk Radio, so thank you for that. Also, a uh, nice month on our Patreon page. If you are a Patreon donor and you have somehow not received what has been promised to you, you have to let me know because um, I it's hard. I don't handle it. It's Someone else handles the Patreon shipment of goodies, so if you don't see anything, don't just let it go by. Like, let us know, madhousepod at gmail.com, and we'll get it address, addressed as quickly as we can. I've only heard that happen, like, once or twice, so I don't think it's a real big problem, but I heard about one recently, so I want to make sure that that is addressed and everyone is getting what they're promised. So uh, hit us up if that is the case for you. In the meantime, thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708 708- 478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save on your tickets. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. 
and then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm, I participate in McDonald's. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Bye, 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 bye. I participate in McDonald's.